Well, hello there. It is good to see you again, and welcome back to Advance Your Wealth with Homer Smith. I'm your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff, and of course, we've got Homer standing by. He'll be joining me in just a moment. We're going to be unpacking another wealth management-related conversation. That's what we do here on the show, and we've really got a special guest and a really cool topic that we're going to be diving into on today's show. Today's special guest, Mr. Tommy Ragsdale, the Vice President of Strategic Development over at 360 Privacy. And really the gist of the conversation today is we're going to be picking Tommy's brain and diving into just the different issues around cybersecurity that are popping up for both individuals as well as businesses and business owners these days. A lot of really interesting stuff that we want to hit in today's conversation. So let's first start by bringing Homer out here and getting him on. Homer, it's good to see you this morning. How are you doing, sir? I'm well, Ryan. Good to see you as well. Yeah, always good to be here. I know, uh, you know, Tommy, you know, Tommy, through your professional network, I, I'll let you kind of uh, elaborate a little bit on that as we're, we're getting ready to bring him out. But um, really exciting stuff and uh, looking forward to, to kind of hearing all the different strategies, solutions and the things that exist in the cybersecurity world. But Homer, I'll, I'll throw things over to you. Enjoy. Yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah. And i um, excited about this topic today because I think with everything going on in the world, politically, economically, socially, um, some of the issues going on with Ukraine and, and the war with Russia, there's been a lot more news um, out there around some of the cybersecurity threats that I think have brought the need uh, for people to be assessing their individual risks. Um, it's just brought it more to the forefront. And, you know, these risks have always been there, but they're just more obvious now. And so, you know, over the last uh, few months, I've, I've got to meet Tommy and, and learn more about what their team is doing and felt, gosh, what a what a perfect time to be bringing this message to to our clients and those that are uh, able to listen and watch uh, watch the podcast. So, um, yeah, Tommy, I'm excited to have you on and, and welcome to the show. Yeah, it's great to be here. And uh, we're recording this a couple of days before Thanksgiving. So I, I'm charged up like everybody else to uh, to hit the holidays. Yeah, likewise. Um, well, good. Well, before we dive into a lot of questions that I have around the risks and threats and, and what you guys do to, to help mitigate that, tell me a little bit more about your background and kind of how you ended up in this cybersecurity world. Sure. Um, you know, my background is, is somewhat unique. I uh, have a military background. I'm a 2006 graduate of the United States Naval Academy. I was a fighter pilot in the Marine Corps for 10 years. And then after I got off active duty, I spent some time in healthcare technology. Uh, I live in Nashville, and uh, healthcare is a, a pretty large industry here, uh, not just for the local area, but for the country. And the vulnerability of technology and healthcare was one of the things that I worked on for a few years. And after developing a little bit of a tool set there, partnered up with a good friend of mine, also former military, who had done a lot of uh, cyber threat work while he was in the special forces in the army. And uh, that uh, coincided with um, kind of really a movement to target individuals in the cyberspace, whether that means physically or identity theft, everything kind of germinated in the digital landscape. And the need for that sort of digital protection was obvious. Uh, we were able to, to kind of wrap our experiences and skill sets together with some other people in our network to uh, bring to the front a really interesting service that mitigates a lot of risk people face today. So I think a lot of our clients have heard of identity theft. You mentioned that is, is one of the things that you ran into quite a bit and, and a, a lot of other schemes that are out there, you know, phishing schemes and things, you know, um, you know emails from Africa, you know, trying to, to get 
people to send money to get millions of dollars, all those sorts of things we've, we've all heard of. Um, but I don't think they're familiar with all of the areas that they might be vulnerable in. Can, can you provide an overview of, you know, what is digital privacy, at least from your guys' point of view? And, you know, what are the main threats that you're helping to look at, help, help protect them from? Certainly. The way we see the world is that we all have a certain level of exposure. That's kind of the nature of the digitally interconnected world that we have today. Whether that exposure means our personal address, it means our, our cell phone number for the, the phone that's sitting in our pocket, uh, even all the way down to things like social security numbers. Those things are uh, relatively readily accessible on the internet and they create real privacy challenges. For us, uh, our whole um, value prop to our clients is, is, is making them a harder target. So how can we help our clients experience and leverage the things that the internet and the digital interconnectedness of today's world brings? There's a lot of value there. How can we let them still experience that but not be so exposed? Part of that, and we'll dive deeper into it momentarily, is the data brokerage world. And uh, that, that creates a lot of challenges for people. And uh, the other part is those kind of smart devices that we carry around with us all the time. We don't want our clients not to have those. In fact, most of our clients and your clients as well would probably look at us and laugh if we said you, you can't use those anymore. Um, but we do need to find that healthy balance for them, uh, particularly people that have been successful. They have high profile. They've made, they may be high net worth, individuals, families, multi-generational. Uh, there are just steps that they need to take to mitigate risk that they face. And uh, that's, that's what we're here to do for them. Great. Uh, you mentioned this idea of a data broker. And when we first started working together, one of the, the first thing you guys do is an initial threat assessment. And as part of our building of our relationship, you did that for me. And, and it's kind of uh, troubling to hear this idea that you know, there's over 400 of these data brokers out there. So talk, what are those and how, does, how do they get our information and what, who do they give it to? <laughs> sure. Simply put, uh, data brokers are entities, business entities that collect as much data as possible as they can about individuals. And then they sell access to it. They either sell access to it um, in a relatively conventional way for marketing purposes, maybe bulk data to large scale marketing activities. Uh, but then they also sell access to their databases to anyone who wants to, to pay a very nominal fee for it. A lot of us are probably familiar with some of the bigger names like whitepages.com or spokio.com. These are relatively well-known, uh, what we call data brokers. Other people call them people finder sites. Uh, if you go to their, their landing pages, they say, find an old classmate or find an old coworker, those sorts of things. And they're pretty good at doing that because they have such rich data sets around every single one of us. They tout their hundreds of millions of profiles that they have on board, but really they're a function of, of value in the industry. There are people that are willing to pay amounts of money for access to these databases and they aren't always good actors. Many times they're, they're nefarious. Sometimes it's neutral. Um, but for your type of clients and our type of clients, you can't run that risk. So you alluded to it just a second ago. We uh, uh, address the, the panoply of data brokers, uh, well over 400 on our way to 500. When I started this work about two years ago, we were around uh, 250 to 300. 
And it, part of that was we hadn't found them all yet. The other part was more and more keep popping up because it's good business. So uh, they, they do, their, their goal is to scrape as much information together about people and then charge a very nominal monthly fee for anyone to access it. And how in, in a service like yours, yours, and there's probably others that do this, how do you go about helping your clients mitigate and reduce the amount of information that's out there? Yeah, so our our number one uh, goal and, and first step for all of our clients is to erase that digital footprint. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If it's out there, it creates a, a vulnerability for our clients. It's not acceptable. Uh, so we go to every single one of these sites and we remove their profiles. Now, um, the real challenge isn't necessarily in removing that profile, although uh, some of them make it much more difficult than others. And we uh, are very proud of our success rate there. But what makes this a real challenge is the frequency with which data refreshes. Yeah. Um, it's not just an instance of data broker XYZ uh, just wants to put your data back up, although that happens. It's the next time we go sign up for some digital service or yep. the next time we sign up for that Amazon or sorry, the Whole Foods shopper, shopper loyalty card. Those yep. things start to sprinkle the data back into this ecosystem and it just becomes cyclical. So to be honest, it creates a little bit of a digital whack-a-mole game uh, that we that we play better than anybody else on behalf of our clients. Good. Um, sounds very important uh, given to your point how everything now, you know, anything you order online, anything you, any service, they all now uh, ask for this information to, to set up an account or get, get access to whatever benefit you're looking to subscribe to. So um, another area that in the report that you gave on me that in, in the services you provide that you mentioned is the idea of the dark web. And I think people have heard of the dark web and, and you know, it's mostly a kind of a mystery to everybody of what really goes on there. It's mostly, you know, you hear about, you know, drug trafficking and money laundering and those sorts of things. What is the dark web and, and how can you, you know, again, provide some of this risk mitigation when it comes to, uh, identifying if information is there and, and the risks there? Yeah, it's it's the right question. Uh, we I get asked that uh, pretty much by every one of my partners and by most of my clients if they don't already know. Uh, in a way, uh, distilling it down, the dark web is characterized kind of by three things uh, to me. One is it's not indexed by your traditional search engines, right? So if you do a Google search or a Bing or something like that, it's not going to index or find data that's that's on the dark web. Uh, so that may mean because it's on a completely different um, uh, in a kind of server system. It may mean that it's on a different protocol, but those search engines aren't aren't able necessarily to, to touch that. Um, the other two characteristics of a, of it are you need special tools to get there. So again, your your Google Chrome browser, your Microsoft Edge, those are not uh, equipped with the right protocol and other things to access that. And then thirdly, you need special skills to be able to access it. So all three of those things together kind of winnows down uh, the, the pool of people that are operating on the dark web. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, it isn't a, a nice place. I, you, you are pretty much right to say that there's a lot of nefarious activity that, that happens there. It's a it's an environment that uh, enables anonymity and therefore that encourages a lot of that nefarious activity 
potentially without uh, consequence. So what do we see there? Well, most of the times when we're working on behalf of our clients, we see uh, large scale data breaches. So everybody's kind of heard of the target data breach or the Equifax data breach, things like that, where someone has compromised a corporate system and, and has either uh, stolen or duplicated a, a, a massive data set and then taken it to the dark web to sell it. What exactly are they doing? They're trying to sell that chunk of data to anybody who wants to buy it. Why would they buy it? Because they think they can now uh, exploit it and take advantage of it. So for many of our clients, that means compromised credentials, logins, passwords, why do people want to sell those? Why do, other, why do bad actors want to buy them? Well, they know that everyone is human and likely reuses passwords and, and, and uh, usernames. No. All the time, right? No, um, no way. So, so they'll try brute force uh, methods to, to, to use those credentials to access any, any number of services. Uh, the other thing that we'll see on the dark web is uh, other types of what we call PII, but personally identifiable information uh, that's out there. So maybe it's an address, maybe it's a social security number, maybe it's a bank account number, things like that. And then uh, thirdly, for our really high profile clients, think athlete, entertainer, politician, oftentimes uh, a threat begins in the dark web. So we're able to, to see that. Now to your point about mitigation, we're pretty brutally honest with our clients we are the best that there is in, in eliminating the digital footprint for our clients in that data brokerage world, the open web world. Um, but on the dark web, we're not going to tell you we can take data down. That's just not the way that's architected. But uh, we are going to be able to give our clients appropriate awareness and risk mitigation steps in the shortest timeline uh, that they would otherwise be able to get it. And uh, that is what starts to build that what we call defense in depth makes them a little bit harder to target. And so when you see those kind of threats, so like the target breach in particular, you know, everybody got offered, Hey, you know, here's your subscription to LifeLock. You get a year of LifeLock and, and now you'll, you'll be monitored and you're, you're going to, you know, you'll be fine. Right. They'll, they'll identify if, if somebody is trying to use your information to open a credit card or something else versus what you guys do kind of compare and contrast. Yeah. You know, the level of protection and mitigation you get with a service like like LifeLock versus the service you have. And then I want to take it another step further. When you find these real threats on the dark web around, they have your credit card information, they have bank account information. What what are the things you then help them do to, to try to mitigate that? You know, it might be a bit of a pain, but given, you know, their level of wealth and, and uh, notoriety that might be still worth the effort. So first compare LifeLock versus what you do. And then that next level, what are, what are the things you then help them do to, to try to reduce that risk? Yeah. The, the LifeLock question comes up often because it is a well-known, um, you know, risk mitigation service out there. Uh, two things. LifeLock is a mass market service and it does bring some value for clients. Its focus is on monitoring transactions. Uh, now, one of its in original disclaimers is we can't monitor all transactions, uh, and, and I don't know that there is a, a tool out there that can, but for, for transaction monitoring, it's probably one of the better ones out there. Our work is about digital privacy and just eliminating that footprint altogether. And while I wouldn't tell people not to use LifeLock, we're definitely talking apples and oranges. 
Uh, I am much more emphatic about our clients uh, using credit freezes versus credit monitoring. I'll say that's for probably two reasons. One, um, credit monitoring, again, those tools are going to have their disclaimers that we're not going to be able to catch everything. And again, that's understandable, uh, but I got to think about my cost benefit there. And then secondly, uh, the, the credit monitor, it's, uh, it, it's an entity that's taking in a whole bunch of your information and uh, they may or may not be selling it for additional revenue uh, sources, but they certainly are a repository that is uh, enticing for a bad actor. So that just kind of puts your eggs in more baskets that uh, could could become uh, exploited. So the while they may be complementary, LifeLock type services and what we do are are not uh, the same thing. And we 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 talk through that often with partners and um, and clients. Yeah. Now so let me yeah. go ahead. I was gonna say yeah. So now you found a breach. You know, information they have your credit card uh, right. account. <clears throat> The last thing anybody wants to do with today, because we subscribe so much to our credit cards in terms of ongoing fees, you know, is that, you know, is that unfortunately the route that, you know, you typically are recommending and supporting your clients doing is kind of changing over bank account information, changing over credit cards, those sorts of scenarios. Yeah, Homer, if there was an easy button for this, somebody probably already would have created it and we'd be hitting yeah. it. Yeah, this isn't, it's not, uh, it, it's straightforward, but it's not an easy path. Uh, we take pride in just telling our clients straight up what their challenges are and what they need to address. I, uh, I think that's why most of them bring us on board. Our background, I mentioned mine, but the rest of the team also with the military background, we don't really have a whole lot of time for a lot of fluff around this. So yeah. we're pretty straightforward in, in how this works. Fortunately, um, the finance world it has, has been built uh, to a way that it's pretty good at number one, detecting fraud, but number two, if it doesn't detect it and you detect it for being able to work with you on yeah. rectifying some of that stuff. We think though, that it's important to have a service like ours to get as far in front of these uh, vulnerabilities as possible. And that way you can kind of minimize whatever damage does occur if there, if there is a compromise. Uh, I will say that uh, our clients, every single one of our clients is enrolled in, in our entry level tier 360 delete. Some do higher level tiers, which include the dark web stuff. The vulnerability to identity theft and, and fraud that uh, we've witnessed uh, has plummeted dramatically after clients enroll with us. And I say that one, to, to be uh, proud of, of how effective our service is and how good our team is, but two, to say that Yes, the dark web has a lot of pitfalls for our clients, but the availability of the extensive nature of their personal information on the data brokerage world is really what ends up victimizing most people. And the ability, our ability to negate that uh, is, is pretty, uh, pretty rich, pretty valuable. Great. Um, that's very helpful. I have one more kind of similar, I guess, question to that. So a lot of our clients, we recommend it, that they have really robust cybersecurity packages as part of their personal and, and business liability insurance um, to, to make sure that if a, if, if a breach came up, if something happened, that they've got teams standing by to come in and try to um, help mitigate the issues that they present. You know, is a service like that, is that a replacement for you or is that complimentary or are you sometimes the back end of some of those insurance companies' services that are bringing you guys in to help fix those issues? 
So certainly complimentary. And, you know, just with uh, as as the approach with insurance is, you know, if, if a client or a prospect comes to us, we like to see it on the proactive on the front end. Right. Um, yeah. Obviously, humans are humans and we get a lot of our clients on the back end of of, of some sort of a breach or an event. Uh, but we're much more effective on the front end, just like having that insurance policy. In the uh, high net worth private line insurance side of the world, uh, we're building some really strong relationships there, both with the underwriters uh, as well as the brokers. Uh, we see, particularly on the broker side of the house, uh, a kind of a trifecta between us, uh, a wealth manager like you, and that uh, insurance broker playing the risk management role, we see that as a very holistic solution and find that it's really valuable for our clients. Uh, that Those same relationships are, are starting in the corporate cyber world. Uh, we know that when our clients have their digital footprint uh, reduced and, and in most cases eliminated, their likelihood of being compromised either through business email compromise, through a phishing attempt or whatever else that is the start of a real corporate cyber breach or personal cyber breach is much less. Uh, we do see a future where we become, uh, you know, right there in the uh, with the underwriters as as a control, and uh, uh, that tends to uh, they tend to agree with that in the long term. Yeah. Um, so all this stuff sounds a little scary. Um, you know, data being out there, potential threats. Um, I think it's you know while clients generally understand that this is a risk. I think stories help kind of bring home um, the, the real scenarios to them. So, you know, without obviously any names, maybe tell me a story or two of, of a client you guys took on and, and threats you guys recognize and, and how you guys were able to, to help them mitigate that and, and either came in after it was too late and, and what you would have done or, or stories of where you were able to, to avoid, help them avoid it. Sure, sure. Well, I'll start with the the origin story of the company, and and that's uh, with a, a person that I'm sure many of your clients and the other people that may be watching this know well. And uh, we we're we're happy to to name him publicly because he's a part of the company at this point. But Ronnie Dunn, uh, the lead singer for Brooks and Dunn, uh, was kind of where this whole thing started. He had a a multi a, a little bit over a year um, harassment, stalking, account compromise situation that was uh, simply beyond the scope of traditional cybersecurity firms when his team tried to enlist help. His email accounts, social media, bank accounts, Verizon accounts had been compromised. His wife and children were getting harassing calls and texts from his phone number. Essentially, the bad actor had executed a, a SIM swap, made their phone look like his. And uh, the traditional cybersecurity firms just, they, they weren't they didn't look at the world and weren't equipped to be able to deal with this. And uh, my partner got brought into this early on as he was on one of the uh, other entertainers um, security details on that the tour that summer. Uh, his experience uh, with cyber and the special forces made them look at him and say, hey, can you please help us with this? And he looked at it from a little bit different perspective. He looked at it from an executive protection yep. perspective. And uh, so he he did some digging in and 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 ended up finding out that the uh, the the person who was perpetrating this attack was not a sophisticated actor. It wasn't some uh, entity from Eastern Europe or, or Korea or anything like that. It was it was actually a very unsophisticated teenage girl in in a single wide outside of Chicago. Mm -hmm. And 
it, in, instead of uh, prosecuting, they, they wanted to find out how she did it. Mm. And uh, he went, visited her and because it was against all odds, she showed him, she showed him the data brokerage. Wow. She took him to one of Ronnie Dunn's profiles on one of these websites. And he was unfamiliar with that, that part of, of the digital domain at that time, saw it and realized the vast, vast uh, risk that was there. All of his personal information was there, which is what enabled her to take over his, his profiles, to take over his digital life. So that was really kind of the origin story. I'll, I'll, I'll mention another one. Um, we have this one also a, a country music singer, but a little bit less well known. We brought her on before uh, she she got relatively big, and uh, she was very good. She 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 followed all of the the techniques that we gave her to not be so digitally exposed. So as we were doing our regular scans for the repopulation of her data, we would very rarely find it. But one day uh, she popped on about 150 different broker sites, which told us there was a, there was an acute, you know, action that caused that. So we contacted her and said, "This is very out of the ordinary. We're assuming that you, uh, you know, that something happened that caused the data uh, to be so exposed." She was insistent. No, she didn't. She didn't do anything. She didn't do anything. She'd been doing all all in the steps, and then uh, she remembered. She'd signed up for a workout at a well-known national exercise chain mm -hmm. and signed up with her real information. And uh, when the moment she hit submit on that sign-up uh, form, it wasn't but a nanosecond that that data was resold. We went and looked at the data use policy for that company. And not only did it say that they could sell the user data, the client data, but that they would sell the client data. So uh it's, it's some of these innocuous things and I'll, I'll give a couple of other kind of anecdotes these aren't necessarily stories although we have plenty of them yeah. but just to give the listener an idea of how this data ecosystem works and how it's not our fault per se these things happen outside of our control the company that that manages the uh, shopper loyalty card program at whole foods i mentioned that earlier pays whole foods to do that yeah. so how do they make money well they they, they want the shopper base yep. at Whole Foods because everybody else who's selling retail goods wants that shopper base. So they're just selling data. Uh, so that really, to us, highlights uh, the way revenue is generated and where value is uh, is seen in, in today's uh, industries. So without going you know, all to the level, obviously there's some extreme value in the service you guys provide. Maybe, you know, some starters, what are a couple of tips, just easy before they even get to the level of hiring a service like yours, what are a couple of things that everybody should be doing or not doing that would make at least a, an impact on their, their imprint out there on the web and, and reduce their risk by a, a meaningful amount? Yeah, so one of the things that we would say to any of our clients to, to start to reduce what that digital footprint is like is, is question when someone's asking you for data. Yeah. If, if do they really need, you know, your phone number? Does, does uh, you know, some digital service that's probably based in Silicon Valley or Austin really need your physical address, mm. um, you know, to go beyond that? And this kind of goes back to that Ronnie Dunn story is 
uh, there's no police out there that's making sure you're telling the truth on your security questions. So, <laughs> you know, when I go to your data brokerage world and your digital footprint, I can find the street you grew up on. I can find your mother's maiden name. Um, you know, those are the, those are common security questions that we see. And there's no one that's forcing you to tell the truth on those types of things. Yeah. Uh, other techniques you can use. Um, one of the more uh, common bits of data that really is required for some of these digital types of services is a phone number. We recommend in any uh, case where you can use a voice over IP number, whether that's a Google voice number or something else, something that's not the, uh, you know, the SIM card that's sitting in your pocket at all times. And then as we talk about devices, um, you know, there's, everyone talks about how they're the, the device of, of privacy. Apple does a really good job of it with the iPhone. And uh, well, in our opinion, they do a little bit better than uh, Android does. You know, they're, they're generating revenue in similar ways. Make sure that you're not just giving all of your apps permissions uh, yeah. for your location, for your, your microphone, for your camera. You know, go back and look through these things and make sure that all of those things aren't on and just sucking in data and then selling it to who knows where. Uh, those are some, some, they're simple, they do take time, and, uh, uh, but we recommend that it's, it's worth, worth its while. And I'll also say this, one thing that's very simple that people don't do, turn your smartphone off at least once a week. Mm. Power it down, let it be powered down for a good 30 seconds or more, then power it back up. And what, what, what does that do? What does that clear? Uh, so there's some caches that it clears, uh, as you do updates, it, it, it's some of those types of things need full resets for full updates to take place. Uh, it's, it's just a good cyber uh, security conscious way of, of forcing some of the bad out and, and letting some of the good kind of replenish. Good. All right. Well, I, I've kept you long enough. It's been fantastic heading into the weekend or the holiday weekend here. Uh, just really appreciate your time. Any anything else on um, on you, the company uh, that that would be helpful? So how, how does someone find you? Obviously, they can come to me and I'd be happy to introduce them to you. But what's the best way if somebody's looking for a service like yours? How do they find you? Sure. So you can find our uh, LinkedIn pages are out there. Uh, we obviously have a website, 360privacy.io that you can contact uh, the company through. And um, just one thing that I'll say that, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of, of our team and our service uh, as about 90% of us are, are former military. Some of us still uh, serve in a reserve capacity, but I also point that out because it's a unique skill set that our, our team has. Uh, they've spent a lot of time uh, exploiting digital vulnerabilities for high value targets or, or others. And that's, that's a skill set that um, we flip around and, and use on behalf of our clients. You can't find that anywhere else in the market. So, uh, you know, we, we're confident in having the best tools, and, but uh, further than that, having the best people. Awesome. Well, Tommy, again, thanks for, for joining us today. This has been extremely valuable information. I'm sure all of our clients are scrambling right now to try to get some of their uh, footprint off the web before uh, reaching out to someone like you. But this, again, has been great. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, you know, connecting with you again very soon. Thank you very much and have a fantastic holiday.
All right. Thank you. All righty, gentlemen. Well, look, appreciate the great conversation today. A lot of good nuggets of information from Tommy. Again, Tommy, thank you for carving some time out of your day. Uh, and look, hey, before we roll out today, we also want to say thank you to our audience for jumping aboard being with us here on the show today. If you took anything away from today's conversation, maybe like Homer just mentioned, you are, you yourself are scrambling a little bit to do some of those things Tommy just mentioned, and you took, you know, you found some value in today's episode, go ahead and subscribe to the show on whichever platform you check this out on. That way you never miss out on a future episode where whether it's bringing on a great guest like Tommy or it's diving into a, you know, deep into a wealth management topic. Either way, you know, by subscribing, you'll never miss out on a future episode. So for Homer and Tommy, I'm Ryan. We're going to go ahead and say so long, but we appreciate you stopping by and being with us here on today's installment of Advance Your Wealth. All opinions expressed by Homer Smith are solely Smith's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Integrated Wealth Concepts, LLC, Integrated, or its parent company or affiliates and may have been previously disseminated by Smith on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Smith as a specific inducement to make particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Smith's opinions are based on information he considers reliable, but neither integrated nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. Smith, integrated, its affiliates and or subsidiaries are not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided. Smith's statements and opinions are subject to change without notice. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Neither Smith nor integrated guarantees any specific outcome or profit. You should be aware of the real risk of loss in following any strategy or investment discussed by Smith or anyone else. Strategies or investments discussed may fluctuate in price or value. Investors may get back less than invested. Investments or strategies mentioned on this website or in the show may not be suitable for you. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. You must make an independent decision regarding investments or strategies mentioned by Smith. Before acting on information you hear, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and strongly consider seeking advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Investment advice offered through Integrated Financial Partners, a registered investment advisor. Integrated Financial Partners provides investment advisory services through several doing business as names. The information in this material is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Integrated Financial Partners does not provide legal, tax, mortgage advice, or services. Tommy Ragsdale from 360 Privacy is a separate entity and not affiliated with Integrated Partners and Convergent Wealth Partners.